Welcome to the Hope Starts Here podcast, designed for open discussions where families, businesses, child educators, and more share stories on topics supporting the overall well-being of Detroit families on all sides of the spectrum. So come join the discussion. Join us at the table. So April, help us start to have this conversation around what we need to do to begin to lay the strong foundation for this school year coming up. I think this school year, we are presented with unique challenges and unique opportunities. Something that we are prioritizing at DPSCD is prioritizing at the beginning of the year an opportunity for teachers to have space and time to get to know their students. Many of the students will be stepping foot, especially in the kindergarten classroom, first grade classroom, into a school building for the first time. And so making sure that we are able to assess where our students are, both in their academic ability and where they are social and emotional learning. A lot of children over the last year lost primary caregivers through the pandemic. That has dramatically impacted how their family is functioning. And so making sure we make this space in the beginning of the school year to welcome our students in, for teachers to build relationships and to build community within the classroom so that our kids feel welcomed, safe, and prepared to engage in the learning. So I think that's one of the things we need to do is just make space to greet kids, to assess kids, to give teachers time and opportunity, and then to ensure that our families understand the supports that are there for them. The transition back into school is not going to be easy for every family. Although I will say there's a misconception that virtual learning hasn't been good for all families. Some kids have thrived in a virtual learning environment. But it's clear that in-person learning is better for the majority of children. That is, the data is there. There's no doubt about that. But I do think if you're a child that's thrived in virtual learning and now you're back in person, helping you make that transition is really important. Sure. And then professional learning for our educators. We're doing a, a lot of training this summer around welcoming our students back, how we're going to welcome them back, how to greet families, how to support families, and making sure that our families are connected with our homework hotline, with our tech help hotline, so that they know when they need help, their resources are there for them. Awesome. Awesome. Wendy, you talked about transition activities earlier, so I just want you to, to, to pick up on that with regards to what April shared. What in those activities, what about the partnerships? How has the partnership strengthened those activities for families? So I think what we've learned is the, the pandemic created lots of opportunities. And so we have been able to come together to really identify what families have identified as useful for them. So if we're going to develop some transition tools and activities, let's do that with the families in the center. Let them give us feedback about what works for them and what their needs could be. And then developing transition tools that we can share. One of the great things is that we have really connected with some, maybe some different partners, like we're working with DSO. So DSO is going to help us distribute some of our transition kits, but then DSO is also going to share their events, some things that are coming up for them that families may not be aware of. Even even our partner organizations may not be aware of those things. So those are new opportunities to continue to stay on the message of transition. But what other opportunities exist for families and how can we get them 
all connected. And then one of the things I was thinking about, April, as you were talking about professional development, all those um, things that you have going are great, but I wanted to think about our teachers prepared for some of the needs of students and families and, and how they may come and present. They know typically what kind of things are needed, but some families have a whole set of challenges that they're dealing with and that the students are presenting with them. So if we can think about ways to include in that professional development, how to prepare teachers for what kids may present with and what family needs may be, and then be equipped with resources to be able to respond to some of those. I think I'd say... um that it, it, and you said it earlier, the assumption that we're going to welcome a diverse group of students back who have had diverse experiences. And so for some of our charters, they stayed open the whole time. When we come back, we're going to have students from all various experiences, never been in school, been in school the whole time, who knows. And so I think that that's something that our schools are taking really seriously to figure out how are they going to, it's already a diverse set of learners that can walk in on the first day. How are we going to ensure that we're meeting the needs of, of every diverse learner that walks in? And so this idea of connecting through the summer and really trying to build upon what we already know about the students. What I'm hearing from our schools is that there's not as much turnover, transiency as we've had in previous years, which is actually a very positive thing because we've always said if we can keep students stable, we believe we can do a lot with them. So uh, schools are really looking at this opportunity as their student populations are remaining a little bit more consistent with the exception of kindergarten. Kindergarten is definitely, I think for we, we all know that that was, a, that that was going to be a challenge this year, but really trying to figure out how they can capitalize on what they know about the kids and build on the established relationships while also integrating and ensuring that students who are new to the school or, or who may not have been as engaged throughout feel welcomed uh, when they come back. As far as kindergarten goes, um, we've had interesting conversations at the schools when they have students who would have entered kindergarten in the fall, but maybe didn't. And now families are sort of really trying to grapple with, do I just start with first grade or do we start with kindergarten? And I think that that's been a, a coaching and counseling opportunity for for the schools and the, and the families to just determine what's best for their for their child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to transition to our last question for the evening. You all have a minute or less to answer. Okay. What has to be different or better about our collaboration and communication in order to support families and the ways that we've discussed and laid out today? What has to be different or better? We can start with you. One minute or less. Well, I, as I look through the whole Bob starts here, I really like the imperative number two on parent and family leadership mm-hmm. because I really like the advocates and the community champions to promote early childhood. Just think about having, you know, culturally competent champions, you know, diverse families that could be champions and be able to support what, you know, Janine was mentioning, the different dialects, the different, you know, communities that we're serving. I think that would be really awesome if we can work on that. Awesome. Thank you. Denise? Different or better? I'm going to go on the better side because I think that we are working towards getting the word out about the importance of early childhood. We have families who transition from in our communities from they're not in the same neighborhood for four, five, seven, ten years. Like we used to have families that just grew up in a neighborhood and families transition. So just a better way to 
stay in touch and communicate with those families for those wraparound needs that they may have. Because once we lose touch with them, it's hard to to know what happened with the, the, the children. What are, what's going on? Where, where are they? And then they go into school and then we've missed some, there's some gaps. So I think just making sure that we can assist the families with some of those wraparound services as we continue to push the importance of early childhood and the importance of their child as an early learner in the area and community. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Radishi, please. So I think I'm, I'm going to go on the better side as well. I think there's a couple of things. I think one, really, really focusing on the student. They are, we are here to serve them. And so I think that as schools, as educational institutions, we need to really think about, they're not here to fit into our box, we're here to fit around what they need. And so having that as our paradigm as they come to us, and really, really evaluating and, and looking at what can we do to better serve them uh, and not being so fixed in what we want to do. I think that that's, that's key to any sort of successful approach with any human being, particularly kids. I think the other thing that we've learned in the pandemic, I believe our values, I, I think we've really begun to appreciate that, that human interaction. I think we appreciate so many things that we didn't have and that I think there is an understanding that every minute counts. And so one of the big issues we see across the board and it, and it relates to the, the why question, we do see chronic absenteeism is a big problem. And to me, this is an opportunity for us to really combat that and talk about this is, you know, we just had a year and a half for some students of not being in school and doing virtual education. But I think parents have started to understand that every minute does count. Mm-hmm. And so if we can capitalize on that and really, you know, meet the needs of the learner, but also get them to understand why why every minute counts, which I think translates into why we need to get kids in school as early as possible, I think we can start to change that culture um, and answer that why question a little bit more deeply using our experiences in the past year and a half. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wendy? I would say, I would say different and better. So we are always doing transition activities, but what I would like to see is those to be ongoing. So everywhere you look, you see information about transition and its importance and that it is year round. That there's not such a huge push right before school enrollment occurs, but just ongoing, ongoing activities, ongoing messaging about the importance of these transitions, what they mean for children, how we can equip parents with the information that they need to make decisions about enrollment, attendance, understanding all of those things. We're in the season of COVID now, so can we share information about vaccination? So just opportunities for continued information sharing to equip parents with what they need to make the decisions that they need to make and making transition just an ongoing effort. Thank you. April. I think if we focus and unite around serving the whole child and continue to break down the walls that kind of are around our silos, there's so much work to be done. Sometimes we get in our work and those walls begin to build back up. So continue to push the edges of those walls and stay out of our silos and be prepared to meet children where they are and to build on their strengths as assets as we go throughout this next year. I really, really would love to see all of our organizations unite around a focus on early literacy skills and ensuring that that whatever early learning environment you're in, whether it's 
non, you're at home, or it's a home-based, or private, or public, or charter, we're all united around our students coming to kindergarten with the literacy skills they need. Awesome. Could really make a difference for our families. Thank you. So it's really nice to go last because I agree with everything that has been said. <laughs> and I will just add that just being able to continue to build um, on the asset of rich culture and languages in all of our the neighborhoods to be able to support bilingualism in, in every in every school and support that in homes as well. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. I really so appreciate you being here today and having this important conversation with me. Transitions really symbolize change and that's why they're hard. So we need to be supportive as possible for our little ones who are making these big steps and for their families as well. I know some of us are just let our babies go. Um, and so others of us will be letting them go. Uh, how do we all manage that and how can we as institutions and organizations support those changes better.